Welcome back to Politics and Bros. This is episode number nine. Today is January uh, 30th, 2020. <laughs> Who knows what day it is? <laughs> Hi, Pete. It's been a long week. Hey, Hal. How you doing, buddy? Tomorrow is February. No, tomorrow's not even February. Oh, wow. Damn it. Saturday's oh, February. Saturday February. Um, yeah. Tomorrow payday? No, next, next week is payday. Shit. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, yeah. Thing We don't even know what day of the week it is. It's so so hectic these days um well this has been a full week yeah uh, just from news uh tragic news um impeachment news there's just there's just a lot happening these days yeah yeah for sure um i yeah we were supposed to go away this weekend and we're not going to go away and um i think we're just settled into like the winter routine and it's just uh you know, long weeks, but the days are getting longer. I have noticed that, which is, which is nice. Yep. Um, but, I think uh, we're 35, I think we're 35 days away from, uh, from changing the clocks to oh, having the sunset after 7 PM or that, something like that. 35. Is that right? There's an end, an end in sight. Well, the, the winter hasn't yeah. been so bad here this year, I would say knock on yeah, wood. Right. Um, so, I'm just going to warn you that uh, I didn't prep for this podcast. <laughs> um, I know what we're talking about, and I know generally what I'm going to say, but, uh, you know, um, there's going to be a lot of wing in it tonight. Uh, but, you know, maybe you'll get some some extra flair or some some good sound bites out of it. So Some, Im- some improv. Yeah, there you go. Improv. It's improv night. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we'll start, we'll, we'll start it off with, uh, just kind of talking about the big, I, I mean, I honestly, I think it's actually the biggest news culturally speaking of, of the week. And that's the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his, uh, daughter, uh, Gigi and the, the other folks that were on that helicopter with them. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get into that. And it's sad. It's tragic. There's nothing that either, either one of us can say that's going to be insightful in any way, shape or form with who Kobe was and what he meant to the NBA. And, um, I, I'm, it's, it's more of the fallout that I kind of, not the fallout, but the, um, how things kind of transpired on, on Twitter mm-hmm. over the course of Sunday when it happened into Monday and Twitter is real life flying all over the place. Twitter is real life. The Twitter yeah. bubble is real. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but it was funny cause TMZ was the first one to report it. So everybody just kind of said it was, you know, BS that there's no way that this was, uh, that it was true. Um, and of course their reporting was spot on but um did you see what it? was interesting did is- you see it on twitter before like it they like people officially announced it because i first time i saw it was a, like a um a pop-up on my phone and it and it said you know COVID, like it had been confirmed at that point so i wasn't i wasn't on twitter at the time to see if like you know it started coming out and people were like this can't be true or whatever i was just wondering did you see how did you find out I found out via Twitter, uh, oh, okay. actually the TMZ post. I don't follow TMZ. Somebody retweeted it and it was within 20 something minutes of TMZ initially reporting it. Okay. Um, so what'd you I, think? Of course, I went, I, well, I went down the rabbit hole cause it was TMZ. So I was like, well, this can't be true. Right. So I was trying to find mo- other, other credible, um, sources to sort of confirm what happened. And I went down that, my wife thought it was crazy because it was Sunday morning and I was, or late morning. And I was just like on my phone. We're trying to find anything else to verify it, right? 
Right. Yeah. Right. And then of course, like the, the rumor that Rick Fox was on the plane with it or the uh, helicopter with him. And then somebody reported that all four of his daughters yes, were on that. the helicopter. After, yeah. Like, yeah. That was crazy. Thank God that didn't turn out to be true. Um, but it, Inevitably, when you when somebody when a figure like Kobe Bryant passes away, um, strange things happen. Strange stories pop out. So the one that I want to talk about uh, was the Washington uh, Post reporter who tweeted, retweeted, I should say, a story from three years ago, essentially talking about Kobe Bryant's rape case. Mm-hmm. And within hours of it being confirmed, I think when I first saw it, I think it was like one or two in the afternoon when I saw her tweet this thing out or at least somebody respond to the tweet. And of course, Twitter erupted and she was threatened death threats. Um, She had people begging her to take it down and delete the post. And of course, her reasoning was if you're going to mourn the man, you have to mourn the you have to realize the totality of his story. Yeah, um, or or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I I think even Kobe Bryant admitted he was not a perfect man, especially when this event happened in two thousand three. He was mm-hmm. something like twenty. He was like twenty two years old or twenty three years old. I think people forget that he was seventeen when he when he got drafted in the NBA. He's our age. Um, He's so two thousand three. Yeah. He would have been what like twenty five. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's he's only he he was only a month less than a month younger than me. Right. Yeah. Um. So it's just it's crazy. But uh, Washington Post actually suspended her, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think a lot of people start, which I think is wrong. But at the end of the day, um, of is it a violation of First Amendment rights? And that's kind of where I'm going with this. Yeah. Uh. So I, th- what, I think. I mean, I read that they suspended her to review if she had violated company social media policy. Um, now, right. I, I obviously don't know what the Washington Post social media policy is. Um, yeah. To me, it seemed to be, um, while I think that, you know, it was a bit distasteful to do that, like, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Um, you know, dis and probably, and would I have done it? No, but like, but is distasteful not allowed? Like, you know, um, I, yeah, distasteful is allowed. Yeah. <laughs> and so again, it's a private company, right? They can, um, sort of, if you set their rules as they, as they may, and and you being an employee there, kind of follow that. But um, mm-hmm. so I again, I don't know what the minutia of Washington Post social media policy. I would say that, um, it, I, I, you know, I I kind of see both sides here. Like, but I think they were probably rather than suspender, probably should have just said, you know. Do you really need to had a talk with her? You know, probably not the best yeah. best uh, use of Twitter. Um, you know, maybe think about how it affects other people in this time of mourning. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I I don't even know has she been reinstated? I mean, she could have been reinstated, and yeah, yeah. Do you know they have? Yeah, they have reinstated her. There was something like three hundred journalists that came out. Um, 
basically to her defense. Um, I but think, it, it, yes. it, it, I, 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 there's a larger, I, I think there's a, an even bigger issue here too, that, you know, freedom of speech, you know, the first amendment mm-hmm. protects freedom of speech, freedom of the press is not free. There's always blowback. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that struck me is that she was, she was taken aback. I think she tweeted out that the, she talked about the literally tens of thousands of hateful responses she got to her tweet and how it, it was eye opening uh, to which I respond, to which I respond with, why is that eye opening? There's, there is freedom of speech is never truly free. There's always going to be somebody who disagrees with you. Yeah, sure. There's always consequences. And I, I kind of think back to, and I don't know why this always pops in my head, but when the Dixie chicks were performing in England and they trashed president Mm -hmm. Bush at the start of the Iraq war. And they were all shocked that their listeners back in, you know, the United States were torching their records and calling them traitors. Like, you're brave for standing up and saying something like that, but you also have to accept the consequences of the people that don't agree with you and have to deal with how they disagree with you too. Right. And I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like this reporter should have known that that was going to happen, especially when you're tweeting something like that literally hours after a man and his daughter are killed in a helicopter crash. Yeah. And the, the other thing I think um, that probably is another bigger picture is companies are so quick to try and protect their image, their reputation at this point that like they get a little, you know, trigger happy, I think, and probably don't really think through the larger, you know, political and social issues um, that may be at play. Their, their instinct is to like protect and go into like crisis, you know, mode, damn, or damage control mode immediately and then figure it out. And I think it's kind of the way just conversation and litigation is in America at this point that, yeah. you know, um, and ultimately I, I think this is probably an instance where, uh, maybe both, you know, both sides were probably wrong. But like it, it's you know, it could have been worse. Um, but yeah, yeah you know, it, it's just such a sensitive time at, in the, in those moments. And I think you've seen over the last week. I, I mean, how beloved Kobe was, and um, sure. Um, and maybe she she didn't have all that context. Maybe she didn't know. You know, like so. I I think ultimately. One of the things that, you know, makes America great is the conversation. But one of the things that's also almost always made us great as well is that we have a very big uh, capacity for forgiveness and understanding as well. Sure. Um, And I think that some of that is probably not as prevalent as it once was, which is why kind of like we could use some of that in, you know, situations like this where people are maybe trying to do their best and, um, but they don't always make their best decisions. Uh, but yeah, right. you know, I think probably everybody learned a lesson from this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, everyone involved, not like, well, not like, you know, my children or anything, but yeah, everyone <laughs> you, figurative, everyone. So, uh, well, rest in peace, Kobe. And, and yeah, Jimmy. certainly tragic. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't really have like a, I don't think I ever saw him play in person. 
Um, mm-hmm. I didn't either. But when they, you know, they, I think he, what did he score? 60 in his final game? Like that's kind of, that's pretty, yep. that's a pretty cool memory. Um, he had 81, you know, I was surprised Shaq, you know, Shaq had so much love for him because they had a pretty big beef for a while. Right. Didn't they like, yeah, I think they had, I mean, they definitely had a rivalry, uh, when Shaq arrived in LA to play for the Lakers. Cause Kobe had been there for a while. Right. It was his team. And, um, and then like Kobe couldn't I win mean, a championship honestly, without Shaq. Right. And then right. He did. And I think that kind of, that kind of stoked some resentment. And I remember in like over the summer, this past summer, Kobe made a comment in some interview that, um, they could have won four more, you know, four or five more championships if, if Shaq hadn't been so lazy and just like worked out and did more stuff. And he was, he apparently explained it as being trying to be funny and rib and rib at Shaq. But, mm-hmm. uh, I, I do think there's kind of a deeper sort of <laughs> meaning behind it yeah. than, than just to, just to make fun of your old teammate. There's a truth in every joke. It. Yeah. It wouldn't be funny Absolutely. if it wasn't. Yeah. Well, it was certainly a shocking way to start the the week because it was Sunday morning. Yeah. So what else is going on? Speaking of shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of shocking. Uh, so we're still, we're still in the middle of the impeachment. Um, right now the, the, the senators are in the question and answer phase where they get to submit questions in writing mm-hmm. to be asked. I think the big, the big news today was that Rand Paul, uh, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky submitted a question in writing and it was rejected by Chief Justice Roberts. And then as soon All as that. it was rejected, Rand Paul took, took that question went outside of the Senate floor to a, to a waiting press, uh, press gallery and press uh, gallery and, uh, or press corps. Yeah. And then, uh, read that question and where he may or may not have named the whistleblower whistleblower. Oh, he actually did read um, it out although, loud and people covered it. Yep. Oh, and I, didn't, I didn't know that. Like, okay. It, I mean, he's, everybody keeps on saying, you know, he didn't name the whistleblower, but you're, he mentioned two names, one of which everybody was familiar with, which was a, one of the democratic staffers on the, on the um, house Intel committee. Mm-hmm. Um, and this other guy who used to work at the NSA and nobody who knew who that guy was until I, I think pretty much until Rand Paul read that question. So he's saying he didn't out the whistleblower, but I think a lot of people are assuming he's being a little bit too cute there with, uh, with, uh, he worked at NSA because I thought the the rumor was that the whistleblower was a CIA em- employee. Well, that he working at NSA or working for the National Security Council oh, during the Obama years. NSC. Oh, okay. NSC. NSC. You, you you're said, right. You're you right. Said sorry NSA. about that. Okay. Um, yeah. Gotcha. NSC. Gotcha. NSC. Sorry. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, forgive the, my ignorance. <laughs> the um, yeah, that was that was this this whole like. But what? Like, I'm just asking questions. Cheekiness is like right. pretty sickening to me. Like, you know, this guy, first off, at this point, everything that the whistleblower has said has basically been verified. So, like, this is simply an attempt to, like, character assassinate and put this guy and try and, like, make it right. political. Um, and this, um, and, like, you could le- legitimately be putting this guy in in harm's way by by even just mentioning his name i mean you know i think anyone who wants to like know who the name is could probably go out and google it and that will come up with you know the the right the right media has been covering it for a while and i think even president trump may have 
uh, retweeted a link to an article that named him. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what, I didn't even know, uh, Roberts had discretion to not read the question. Um, uh, yeah. which was surprising to me that, you know, it, it just does, goes to show you that like, they really are making this up as they go along. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, well, and, and look at the flip side too. I mean, let's say that that guy, that second name, he wasn't the whistleblower, but now he's got right. He's been he's <laughs> like been, a mob of people. He's been after Richard him. Jeweled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, yeah, it's it is yeah, it's it's crazy town. Um, yeah, that was big. Uh, and then I think you know, I think we wanted to discuss last week. You know, last week on the pod we talked about the only drama was left really mm-hmm. was whether or not there would be witnesses. Um, and I think right. the vo- that vote is scheduled for tomorrow, right? It is. Yeah. There's four hours of debate equally divided among the Dems and the Republicans um, to decide. And of course they, the Democrats need four people to four senators from the Republican side mm-hmm. to, to vote with them. I think they've already locked pretty much locked up uh, Susan Collins from Maine and Mitt Romney from Utah. And I think the other two that they're watching, uh, is uh, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska and then Lamar, Lamar Alexander from right. your home state. Yeah. Cause Gardner, uh, Gardner said so. he doesn't see any need for witnesses. And so, and I think yeah. you, I think you can say you cor- correctly predicted that. Cause I believe you said, um, you thought he might just accept that he was going down and just, you know, try to be lockstep with Trump here and hope that that mm-hmm. might be something that helps him out. But like, you know, it's, it's, he's basically taking the long shot approach. Like, okay, well, I, yeah. I, I've kind of like not been a Trumpy the whole time, but maybe this will be the la- the, the thing that saves me. And I mean, I think polls are showing that he's probably going to lose to Hickenlooper, right? Like pretty badly. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I think it's still double digits. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I, the other thing I would say that has been somewhat surprising to me, um, and we can just discuss this really quickly is kind of some of the arguments that um, the the Trump lawyers have been making during this impeachment uh, question and answer. I mean, Dershowitz essentially said the president can do if can do almost anything um, short short of a actual crime, and it's justified. And then, mm-hmm. um, they also argued that executive, one of the reasons they stonewalled the, uh, congressional subpoenas is that executive privilege extends to almost any conversation the president has with an advisor. And then, um, you know, so if you put those two together, short of, you know, an actual criminal act of, you know, uh, some you know murdering someone or something right. um you've it's essentially created a, an imperial executive where uh that the tool of impeachment has been removed from from uh the toolkit of of uh the senate or con- congress and so you know i've just been a, a surprised at how brazen that the, the lawyers have been um, I believe even today, one of the lawyers said that a, a, pr- a president could solicit foreign um, information if it was credible 
against an opponent. Um, and that was kind of raised some eyebrows as well. So, you know, I don't know if they coordinated these arguments with the uh, senators, the GOP senators, but I would imagine that mm-hmm. some of the things that they've been saying are making making some of the more moderate senators squirm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so and it's going to be interesting because I wonder if the fact that reports indicate that if if uh, if that witness vote fails, meaning they don't they end up not calling witnesses or they don't get enough uh, Republicans to defect over to the Democratic side on that on that vote, that Mitch McConnell's basically indicated that they'll go almost directly to a vote to end mm-hmm. and essentially acquit Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, so this all could be wrapped up. I forget what the timing would have to be. I can't be remember like Tuesday or next, something, right? Tuesday, right, right. Yeah. I thought it was like next week. Um, so I, I wonder. I just wonder how that's all going to play out if if um, if the vote goes down. If they're really going to follow through with that, I mean, they probably will. But well, I mean, what else is there to do? Yeah. I, you know, it, it's. I think at that point, then it just becomes. Um, watching how Trump acts and then after, afterwards and then, um, yeah. And then, you know, what is the, what is the fallout on that? Like as information, more information is going to come out. Bolton, Bolton's book is going to come out. Um, right. You know, more, more documents will be FOIA'd. Um, for those who don't know, that's freedom of information act. You can, you, you know, as citizens, we can request access to, uh, documents and um, people have been doing that. There was a tranche release this week from the Department of Energy based on Rick Perry's Ukraine visit. Um, and, you know, what is that information going to look like and how will it potentially um, affect the people who voted for no witnesses and acquittal and as we move towards um, Senate election and presidential election this year. So, um, but yeah, I mean, probably I'm guessing at this point, it it seems like momentum has kind of died off from the Bolton revelation. And I'm betting that at best they get 50, 50. And then I guess maybe Roberts might decide, but probably not. And, um, it'll be 50, 50 and it'll be considered failed. And then, yeah, I bet next time we talk, Trump will be acquitted. That would be yeah. my, that that's my prediction. So never, yeah. I mean, I never thought he would be uh, removed anyway, but I thought we could at least have some semblance of a uh, reasonable actual debate and trial. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I, we, we can all quibble for a long time over who's at fault for that. I, I still, place a lot of blame on the house Democrats moving, trying to move so fast and trying to stay ahead of the polls. Um, yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that of... argument. I mean, I, I get that argument. I mean, I think, I think ultimately the informate, you know, to build the fullest case that would probably, that would have been the best, uh, best way to do it. Um, yeah. but to me, and and again, I'm I'm not coming into this with pretending to be unbiased, but to me, the argument is strong enough as it is. Like all you're doing is you've you've taken some very credible secondhand witnesses um, and built a strong narrative of what happened. So really, mm-hmm. 
what do you you're you're just asking for that confirmation um the story is going to be the same what happened is going to be the same um but yeah i i get that like you know um they could have they could have done that but to me i i think if they had just done that um it probably republicans would have just found something else to fall back on i mean essentially the argument this week in in the trial from the Republican side was it almost shifted to, yeah, he did it. So what? Um, <laughs> it did. I mean, if you paid it, 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 and and so you know you've you've seen this evolution of their argument as as it's come, and now it's essentially like he's the president. He did it. He can do it. We're okay with it. So yeah. um, you know, I I think from a Exhausting all options. That's certainly and doing it kind of the right full way. Yeah, I I see that and and they and there that that will be debated in the future of like what it, what if they had done that um, yeah. and we won't know. But like you know, um, I think it's a legitimate critic criticism of how the house ran it. Well, we have a, a topic of the day that we should um, get into. Yes. And uh, it's one that you, you and I have talked about this before, and it's, it's as parents, it's something that you and I, have, we've thought about a lot. You have, I think, stronger feelings than I do. I don't know if that's a fair characterization. And I, I don't know if that's because I'm still struggling with how I feel about things, how mm -hmm. I feel about it. But, and I'm talking about uh, Second Amendment, gun rights yeah. versus gun control. Mm -hmm. Um especially when we're talking about an era of uh, school shootings and, you know, mass shootings. Um, are the book, are the laws on the books good enough? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it seems like the States that have more strict gun control laws don't do those laws. Don't do a whole lot to curb gun violence. Um, and, uh, but it seems like America, the United States from a public opinion standpoint 60 some odd percent, you know, usually right in the mid sixties believe that we need more laws on the books. Right. Or, or at least, or at least to do something, um, to try and curb gun violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I've, I've said on this podcast before that I consider myself, um, not very much of a policy person. Like I, I kind of believe in the American system and believe in the tug and, pull uh pull and tug of of debate and and legislation and and the ebb and flow um and i kind of just generally am okay as long as it goes through the american system i would say given the events of the last 10 15 years um and now having a school age children this is this is the one area of policy where i actually do um i do advocate i do care uh and but at the same time, I don't want this discussion to be about policy or what we could do to change. Um, I, what I, what I kind of wanted to talk about was, you know, wh why are, why is the conversation, mm -hmm. um, around gun control so, uh, I don't know, polarized and why have, why have, why has government, both Congress and or the executive not been able to do anything uh, to, to, to change laws. So, you know, I think um, 
it, it, it just, the one thing I, I think I wanted to say from the beginning is, um, I, I, I don't like that, uh, as soon as someone raises the prospect of gun control, right? Uh, whether it be background, and they say gun control, whether it be background checks or limiting high capacity magazines or getting rid of, of, um, you know, assault style rifles. I hope I'm using the right terms here. I don't, I don't want to say semi-automatic because I know people, someone would say it's not a semi-automatic. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, 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 the crouched in a posi- crouched, you know, position response is second amendment, man, you can't take that away. And I, and I, and, and I, I just always want to say, I'm, I'm not trying to take away your second amendment, right? I, I didn't say anything about taking all guns away. Um, and it's like, there's no, there's never any room to just have like, can we talk about the merits of, you know, what universal background checks would look like? Or, um, you know, why do you tell me why you need high capacity magazines? Like it's immediately everyone, they just go to their, like their last argument they're going to make. Um, and, uh, I don't know what, like, is it it, when we have that, when I when I say something like that, is it, is it tied into identity? Is it, is it, cause I don't necessarily think it's this love of the constitution that, that drives that. Like why, why do people, I don't, I'm, I'm throwing this out there to you. I don't know if you have an answer or if you have comments, but like, I just wonder like how we end up where, you know, there's, there just can't be any sort of reasonable conversation about, about guns. No, I think that's true. I, but you know, I have, I've been thinking about this a lot this last couple of days since we decided to talk about this. And I have, I have basically what is an answer that really only answers the question, or at least a thought that attempts to answer the question in a post November, 2016 world um, where Trump is president. And it's not even necessarily has to do with Trump. It's just that what ushered Trump in the types of Mm -hmm. voters that Trump that ushered Trump in and thing that kind of crystallized it for me is, you know, in, in Richmond and uh, a week or so ago, we had a, a gun rights second amendment rally in Richmond because yep. governor Northrop in, in Virginia is uh, really pushing for stricter gun control laws, potential red flag laws. Um, and it really kind of sparked all the gun advocates to come out and they brought their, uh, they brought their pistols, they brought their rifles for a, by all accounts, a very peaceful protest uh, yep. at the Virginia state Capitol. Yeah. Um, but it didn't stop progressives and liberals from characterizing those protesters as angry, Oops. white, you know, angry, white kook men, right. uh, kooky men um, who were With racist, flying, fly, <laughs> <laughs> flying Confederate flags and essentially wearing clan hoods um, right. and that they were violent and screaming about violence. Um, first of all, there is no evidence to support any of that whatsoever. Um, you know, everything I've looked at, all the reports that I've read and seen, nobody was flying a Confederate flag. There might have been somebody, but it wasn't en masse. It wasn't like the central theme. Um, there were African-American gun rights advocates there. Um, you know, there were women 
and you know it was a very peaceful protest and mm-hmm. uh, there you know the cops didn't have to beat down anybody right um and when it end, when it ended everybody went home nobody got killed mm-hmm. no there were no fights um but for yeah, some maybe, reason yeah. yeah but for some reason politicians like like AOC you know characterize them in these in these derogatory ways like they're stupid they're dumb small minded racist and it, it's kind of a microcosm or it's it's very you know indicative of the way that trump voters are described as well so it's a it's a group so of people it is digging identity. in their heels it is identity i think it yeah. is identity i mean i don't i don't doubt people's affinity for the second amendment and for the constitutional argument I'm, i i i really uh, you know i don't run out just because I I appreciate the Second Amendment and I will defend it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to run out and buy a gun. I don't own a gun. Mm-hmm. I have really no desire to own one. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm afraid something's going to happen to my kids, or I might shoot one of them in one night, or they might shoot each other. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just I just I don't feel like I need one, um, for whatever reason. Uh, maybe my maybe that will change someday down the road. But I do think the the fever, at least in the last three to four years, has been identity and part of the identity politics that we've been dealing with for several years now Mm -hmm. um because the nra everybody's like oh the nra the drug law drug law or drug the (laughs) the gun lobby is so powerful and i i think that's probably true to some extent but um it's just another one of those those wedge issues that is used against us uh at the political level i mean between republicans and democrats they use to differentiate themselves yeah, um, but I, I really think I really think if if the if the default position of some of the gun control advocates wasn't uh, at least lately wasn't about stupid people who are clinging to God and guns, uh, I, I really think there could be more room for a conversation here. And we have Republicans that want to have this conversation. Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania yeah. has has really been trying to do something on this. He's been working with Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat, a conservative Democrat uh, from West Virginia. Um, There are conversations that could happen. And I don't know if Mitch McConnell could be, could be convinced. Um, And I honestly don't think it's, it's a philosophical question with him. I think it is more political with him because that's the way he, he operates, but I I just kind of think the culture isn't going to change. You wonder if like, maybe they should have made more of an effort to everyone should have kind of um, praised sort of how that whole Virginia thing was handled. Like Northam should have come out and said, like, appreciate everyone keep staying peaceful, you know, kind of like they were, you know, they were model model um, protesters expressing their first amendment rights and their first and their second amendment rights really. Um, But you know, maybe, you know, maybe that would have, but I, I don't know. I mean, just more conversations like that where people realize that, that, you know, we are, there's a lot of good people involved in this. It's not everyone is, you know, just cause you own an AR 15, you're, you're not a terrible person now. Like I, I personally don't think you should be able to own an AR 15, but that doesn't mean you're a bad person. And it doesn't mean I'm a bad person because I don't think you should own one of those like um and so uh it's it you know what congress um as you said it's a wedge issue like they don't want to be seen as 
on the other side. It just, it's just crazy to me that, like you said, 60 plus percent of people want something as simple as, as background checks and mm-hmm. like Congress can't pass that. Um, yeah. I think and, also too, yeah. it doesn't help when, uh, you know, I think about the school shootings, um, you know, the multiple school shootings we have and, and nothing getting done. And there is a quick, I think there's a snap, there's a snap judgment of, uh, of the people who say, well, mental illness played a role in the shooter doing this. It wasn't the gun, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. And mm-hmm. there is validity to that, but it gets kind of dismissed out of hand by yeah. control advocates as not being valid, but it is valid. Um, is it the sure. answer? God, no, there's all, no, it's there, not, yeah. but it's got to be part of the conversation. It's all valid. Yeah. Every, everybody's arguments are valid. It's just everyone is so quick to dismiss. I'm sorry, I cut you off there, but um, no, no, you're right. I yeah, think that's yeah. that's really it. Is it's everybody's quick to dismiss um, each other's arguments, and it's hard to have a civilized conversation when yeah. um, when that's happening. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you get the they get the now is not the time to have the gun the co- gun conversation uh, responses. You get the um, uh, obviously the calls for action from. Um, people who want gun control, uh, you know, you get all those, those, but, and, but, uh, you know, the mental, as you said, the mental health is an issue. Um, you get uh, now, now you also, you get like racism and terrorism, um, type of mm-hmm. responses as well. Uh, right. and, and, and they're all, you know, legitimate, but the way we kind of converse now with, um, going back and forth, it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's soundbite, sound followed by soundbite, by sound, as opposed to like sitting there across from a table talking to it, talking to someone about, um, you know, kind of talking through the issues. Uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of feel like after Parkland and, you know, I thought there was some momentum there for something to get done. Um, and I kind of, after, that happen and nothing really happened. I just, you know, I just don't see how we, we get to a point of change. Um, and again, that goes back to kind of the, the system of government and America and what we were built on is all kind of, <sighs> kind of broken down at the moment. <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like the enforcement of laws on the books, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's some, some improvements that can be made to some of the laws on the books, but I think overall there isn't a whole lot that I'm not saying, I don't want to say should be done, but there's not others. There isn't a whole lot that, that needs to be done uh, in terms of enforcement and uh, allowing uh, ATF to do more, do their job better. And, um, you know, because I, I think about cities like uh, like Chicago, unfortunately, mm-hmm. where you know murders and Ill- illegal gun use is rampant, and it's Illinois has got some of the most strict gun laws in, in the country, right? Um, but they come in and, from Indiana. <laughs> they do. They do. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the problem would... with trying to federally legislate gun laws is that you know, or mm-hmm. that's the that's why you would federally legislate it because. If you leave it to states, you have instances where, um, you know, Chicago sets its own laws, but because it, the borders are so easy and um, that, you know, 
so that I mean that is an argument for why you need some federal legislation, why federalism in this case is not going to get it solved. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, Chicago is an example. We have very strict laws. Washington D.C. another, but you know, it's right next to Virginia, and people drive right over the bridge, and um, mm-hmm. you know, cops are worried about much more than if someone you know who's peaceful or um is is has a uh automatic rifle in their car um so yeah uh i i'm i'm certainly not the most um i think i i my problem with this issue is i because of the my children i i i tend to get overly emotion emotional when talking about this issue um but you know when you're talking about issues like this but with life or death um for some and some people it's it's literally you know a hobby they do every day and it's so routine um you can, you can kind of talk past each other yeah yeah well i mean i i don't i certainly agree with your point that it's it's easy just to go across the border but you know i think we shouldn't the fervor shouldn't shouldn't ignite so much when it's when it's a when it's a, a school shooting. It, there should be I feel like there needs to be a, a, the that burn and that fire should be there when we're hearing about everyday shootings of three or four more people at a barbecue in their neighborhood, um, which happens all the time on the south and west sides of Chicago. And I'm not trying to make this about race. It's it's not I'm not talking about it from a race standpoint, but there's this these things are happening every single day, and it's we need to stop. I don't know. I get a little, I get a little annoyed when it's about, it only comes up because of a school shooting somewhere. I mean, that's, it's tragic and that's, that should, that should create the debate, but it, it sort of seems opportunistic to me at times. And yeah, I, you so know, I think maybe yeah. that plays, maybe that plays into why nothing happens because other people views it, view it as opportunistic to, but sure. you know, I, I think, certainly think the cultural we, and identity. Yeah, I think the yeah. cultural and identity politics of it all are what what are really holding us back. We're we're in agreement that the conversation needs to be ongoing and rich, right? Yep. And yeah. not 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 reserved for moments of emotion or sound bites. Um, yep. You know, it affects a lot of people, and to do that, you need to have a full conversation. We're, we're, we're sounding awfully high horsey here, but you know, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what we do. Isn't that the point of having your own podcast? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's why I got into the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we can, we can stop that right there and maybe revisit okay. it some other time down the, uh, after the next school shooting after the next. Yes. Yeah, true. God, yeah, God yeah. forbid. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's move on into what we're into this week. I've got one, and I'm okay. pretty excited about it, actually. Okay. Um, you want to start us off? What I am in, yeah, I'll start us off. What I am into this week, I am into um, – uh, I don't know if it's something I'm into, but it's my uh, – well, some people know this, but, but my godbrother slash cousin, um, Sam Annis, who is from Potomac, Maryland. Um, his mom, Demi, is actually my cousin. Um is a professional hockey player with the Iowa Wild of the AHL. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he was named to the AHL All Star uh, game this past week, which oh, was wow. on uh, Sunday. Congratulations! Very happy for him. He's uh, third in points in the AHL right now. He's in his fourth year of playing for the Iowa Wild in the, uh, which is the. Is know, that the level the right below team. the NHL? Level right below the NHL. That okay. it's the team that feeds into the Minnesota Wild. Minnesota Wild, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's actually signed. He's signed to the big club, but he has been, I guess. Yeah, they reassigned him. Delegated. To, yeah, they assigned yeah. him down down to this one. Cool. But, uh, I'm super proud of him. It was fun watching the highlights. He uh, participated in the skills competition um, and did amazing on the shootout. He's he's kind of a shootout specialist, uh, even from his days playing junior hockey. Uh, in Youngstown, Ohio, um, which I got to see a whole bunch of games because they come through Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a sweet, you know, upper right hand corner of the goal over the over the goalie goalie's um, shoulder. It was phenomenal to watch. And then uh, got to watch him play in the in the actual game on Monday evening um, on NHL Network. But cool. super proud of him. I love following his career. Actually, NHL.com has a feature story about him that went up either yesterday or today about um, his progression while being in the Iowa Wild, playing for the Iowa Wild, and how his game has really developed well, and he's he's primed um, to potentially move up to the NHL um, one day soon. So, Sam, if you're listening, I'm proud of you, buddy. I can't wait to see you when you come through to play uh, Chicago um, in April, and I hope, you, I hope he has time to come have dinner with us, which he usually does at least once a season um, when he come th- comes through to play, play Chicago. Um, but uh, that's what I'm into this week is, is is touting my, my cousin, cousin Sam. That's worth touting. Congrats, Sam. Sam. Um, So I am into, uh, I'll keep this short. um, The new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. There were two episodes in uh, Larry David's show. Uh, Are you a Curb fan, Pete? I, I, I watched it, you know, way back when, is it, is it funny? Has he been able to recapture the magic? So I'm certainly not a, a devotee, but um, I've I've probably seen there's I think there's nine or ten seasons at this point. I've probably seen about uh-huh. five of them all the way through. Um, okay. But uh, the first episode of this season, um, uh, <laughs> Larry uh, discovers that if he wears a MAGA hat, he doesn't have to talk to people and gets out of a lot of uh, <laughs> uh, situations he would prefer not be in. So. Um, you know, a good start to the season. Season episode two was pretty funny too, but, um, yeah, I mean, Curb is back and Larry is his typical self. I mean, he's almost leaning into the caricature of, of Larry David at this point, but it's pretty hilarious. So that's That's what I'm into. That's what I'm into this week. I'm going to have to check it out. Sounds pretty good. Yep. Um, well, great, man. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for the conversation. It's been fun. Yep. We'll uh, see to all our listeners out there, uh, follow us on Twitter at Bros Politics. Uh, follow us or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you want to get your podcasts from. We're on all platforms. Um, anything to send us out, dude? No, I'm excited to see where we are a week from now, and and you know, as watch America trudge through this this last uh, eight months of of the first Trump presidency. So yeah. Well, in the meantime, let's go to the casino. All right. Later, Pete.